Hey everybody, welcome to the Bacash Podcast. My name is Don, and across from me is Scott. You think they know by now, right? I know, really. So we are. Uh, we should have done like a Dora thing. What do you you mean? know, like I don't know. Dora used to just pause and be like, "This is <laughs> Don," and across from me is, and like in their minds, they like say it, and then you're like Scott, and then we say we crossed a chocolate river because they always cross a chocolate river. Yeah, we used to always make fun like before we had kids, and we would have like a nephew or a niece or somebody watching Dora, and we'd be like, "She's just blinking and staring at the screen." Yeah. Like, <laughs> Awkward silence. I can't find my app. Oh, there it is. Um, we the, my favorite one is still. Uh, you, I don't think you have anybody that young. But did you ever have the Mother Goose Club? No. Or what was the other one? But Mother Goose Club is like. There's like maybe five seasons of it. I think in uh so like obviously with like our kids we've seen all of them a hundred mm-hmm. times, but the first two seasons it literally looks like they recorded it like in a high school gymnasium on a stage. Like, it is so bad. Wow. I was like, we could so do this. <laughs> like, we can make we can make kids stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, apparently, and it's like, they have like, uh, like, what color, or like, what shape is the wheel of the car supposed to be? And it'd be like a cardboard cutout of a car, and a guy would like walk up with a cardboard square and be like, that won't roll. Like, go back and get the, it's like, what? Or they have like the crazy lady with like the guitar doing the kid song, uh-huh. and it's just like, we can do this. Wow. We can so do this. Especially with YouTube. You got a total... Right. I, I mean, median... I, I will say, as they, as they got into it later, they did get a lot better. But man, at first, it was just like... It's because they were making good money. What, what station was that on? Was that just YouTube? Or? Uh, they do have a YouTube station now, but this is back in the Netflix days. Oh, okay. It's like you. We don't have Netflix anymore because nope. it has turned to complete another garbage. Yes. And I'm not just talking about because Daredevil got canceled. (laughs) Oh, Disney just gained gained the um, um, rights to it again. Oh, really? Yes, they now have rights to Daredevil. They're trying to. But are they going to. Are they going to soften its blow? I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I love the violent nature of it, but, like, the realism was part of the appeal. Well, then it would go on Hulu. Realism. So Hulu is their median for anything like. Not kid friendly, and Disney Plus is for everything else. See, now I'm not giving an endorsement because I haven't seen all of them yet. But we've been watching Animaniacs on Hulu. Oh, the new one! Oh my, is it good? Good. Okay, so there is a politically correct line in the opening song. Okay, uh, but the more I hear it, the more I'm starting to think that it is a satire. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, once again, not a ringing endorsement because I've only seen about five or six of the episodes, but everybody in my family is laughing. I used to love Animaniacs. Jill, who doesn't typically get like our type of humor. And uh-huh. by ours, I mean, my son Eli and I have this really like nerdy sense of humor. Surprise. <laughs> and, uh, we are rolling like almost tears laughing so hard. And my wife is laughing with it. Wow. It's, it's pretty, there is one episode uh, where for some reason they make quite a few uh, jokes about the buttocks. Uh-huh. Um, so that one might be a little bit like, eh, you know, it's on the edge of maybe the little younger ones you okay. might not. Um, they, they basically make a joke about that, though. But instead of calling them bunnies, they call them buns. And so, of course, there's a few jokes based around that. Um, I'm trying not to spoil it for anybody okay. who hears this in six months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to watch them 
Oh, it's tomorrow. Do you have Hulu? Do you have Hulu? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's it's funny. Okay. They did a great job. They poke fun at themselves really, really well. Okay, good. So they 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 even make jokes about their like all the money they're making. They make fun of reboots just to like say we have one, you know. Okay. It's it's good. They kept the magic. Okay. They did a good job. Because Animaniacs was my favorite. They have all the other ones on there too. Do they? Okay. I think I started watching them with Hadessa and Naomi, but it was a couple years ago and I was like, ooh. Maybe oh, yeah, I there's a couple. Um, well, so the, while they wait for, because we'll watch one or two of the new ones, mm-hmm. uh, but we're kind of like, no, we're watching them together. So okay. like they'll go watch the old ones, like oh. while they're waiting for, uh, like so if they're okay. like, oh, mom and dad can't do it tonight because we're doing whatever, they'll go watch an old episode while we do whatever else. Okay. So, yes, okay. that's that's been a welcome addition to Hulu. It's nice. been funny. So all right, because I'll have to bring that up because that's what we do. We always have a cartoon that we all watch together that you're not allowed. So and then once we finish it, then they can go back and rewatch them, but they can't do it until after we've finished the series. So what's interesting is with COVID, you would think that we would have found a million things to binge Mm -hmm. or to like just waste time on or whatever. The opposite has happened. Like we basically have like Mandalorian and Animaniacs. And then like on occasion, the masked singer seems to make a appearance. Okay. But that's not like a, a regular because half the time we don't know the people that are asking. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's we really have like those have been really the primary so we, two things. Because we haven't watched a lot of TV oddly enough through the whole COVID. Partially, yeah. I'm not a stay-at-home person, so like I still leave, and even during the summer, it's like well, fine if we're not going to stay in the house, we're right. going somewhere and we're going to go play. Um, and even during the winter, I was like, all right, well, let's go love our friends that won't leave the house, or let's go prank someone or so we've done a lot of that kind of stuff. And then when we're at home, we play like games. So we've, we've opened up a lot of board games um, and then video games. We've played some video games and then the girls got into animal crossing and oh, I, no. I, I couldn't do it. Um, but we've done some line Minecraft and we've got some other games that, that we've been playing. So, so with the board games, um, we're recording this during Advent. Uh, just so y'all know, <laughs> like you might hear this when it's warm outside, but it was really cold today. Um, uh, we bought a bunch of video games. We hit some of the sales, mm-hmm. or not video games. I'm sorry, <laughs> board games. Now I'm going to burp. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and we have six board games. And during Advent, we open uh, two a week and oh, we nice. have two game nights a week as part of Advent. Oh, that's cool. So it's been, that's kind of our cool little. Okay. Thing. Yeah, we had we, we got Monopoly. Um, Trying to start fights. <laughs> well, my daughter, and it's hard because I was like, she was trying to be nice, and I was like, oh no, no, how does you you can't be nice in this? But then it's again, do I want to teach her to be mean and like you know all, all of that? And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But they love the game of life. I've never um, actually played it. They love the I've game like of life. Never played it. Like I think I, I was at a friend's house that had it one time, and mm-hmm. I, we didn't play it. Okay, they <laughs> love the game of life. That's one of their favorites. Um, Battleship. I just got Battleship, not the electronic version. Um, Dude, I wish the electronic version one existed when I was a kid. Because you have to enter the, the map you put in. Oh, they had a version of it back when we were uh, kids, but I, I haven't seen the new one. But I wanted like I wanted old school. So, so the new one they give you a book with like a pattern for uh-huh. your ships. Yeah, yeah. And then you you have to like enter that in. And so like if they say like B four, 
or whatever, they enter in that number, it will tell them if it's a hit or a miss based on the pattern they put in. So they can't just like move the ship or say, mm. no, no, you missed me, you know. So Because they, they did have the electronic version, but they did, it wasn't you mapped it in there. If I remember correctly, you just placed their ship in there and it knew from you placing it in oh, there like when we locked, were kids. Oh, like locked yeah. in kind of thing. But I think if you still moved it, you could still move it. Ah. Um, but my Sarah, it was actually hard to find the original battleship. It was oh. really hard to find one that was not electronic. I was like, ah, but we eventually found one. I was like, all right, this is we, cool. Uh, grandma has a analog version or whatever you want to call it because their kids have played it there. Okay. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, my kids, it was new for them. And they're like, She Whoa. probably got a garage sale. Okay. Like a lot. We were, we'll get into Ezekiel in a minute, guys. We were cleaning our game cabinet out before mm-hmm. uh, to see like what we had to see if we wanted to get certain games or whatever. Dude, we had four versions of Boggle different garage sales that either we or somebody else bought one. Wow. And I've never played Boggle. I don't even know how to play Boggle. I don't, I don't think I've ever played. I've seen it before. Whoops. Um, uh, oh, that's, that's your phone. phone. Yeah. I was like, uh, there's a robot down here. So, um, but long before uh, video and board games, there was a prophet that would demonstrate things often through or something. I was trying to do a sweet, what do you call it? Transition. Um, transition. Like yeah. Uh, so let's talk Zeke. All right, Ezekiel. We introed him last time, so now we're on to actually diving into chapter numero uno. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I'll read chapter one, one through three, and I think that can also be like our review as to what we learned about him last week and be a good transition into what we're going to do this week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago when you... We record these every week. Right. (laughs) We'll just tell you behind the scenes a little bit. When I say one week, I meant two. I was trying to come up with something that I didn't. I'm trying to think. This will probably be. Oh, yeah, that'll probably begin this in April. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing. Is your phone ringing? No. Wait, lean on the table again. That was weird. Lean on the table. Well, lean on the table. Okay, that was weird. Last time I heard something. It sounded like when a phone, like that. Oh. Anyway, okay, go on. Huh, I don't know. That was weird. It wasn't even like quite that. It was a little different. Whatever. Okay, all right. So, does that sound like a plan? Yeah, go for it. All right. Tell us about Boozy. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Shabark Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Shabar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. All right, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Uh, The C-H would probably be a hard C sound. Kabar? Let's do it again. I don't know. Oh, it's my phone. It's your phone? Ah, what? so your phone's the one making noise. What? Was it making noise like weird next to a microphone or something? Yeah. Huh. Put it back in my pocket. See, Android doesn't <laughs> do that. It's a 5G. Oh. It's giving me COVID and uh-huh. it's making my microphones act weird. <laughs> that was weird. Okay, so um, yeah, the CH is most likely either a guttural or a hard C, okay. J- just for your own... Well, because another 
on another, was it NIV? Another one has the K-E-B-A-R. So, and it might be, I don't have my NIV right in front of me, but um, Uh, one of the other translations actually did do the K-E-B-A-R as the, as opposed to the C-H-E-B-A-R. So there's the pronunciation. Where to go? I saw, oh yeah, right there. K-E-B-A-R. Okay. So. All right. So That's I don't, a messioric. I'm, I'm curious now if that was like in the, the NIV that that was going on. So I, um, a lot of these were uh, the Hebrew translated into Latin back into English. Um, anything that comes out of the Latin that has like that Latin root or whatever mm-hmm. would be uh, a hard C because they didn't have a soft C sound. Okay. And then here you go with the Chaldeans. It's also a K. Okay. Well, um, so if you look at an IV, it's K-E-B-A-R. Okay. Yeah. So there you guys go. You all, all learned right. about yep. the all C right. sounds. And um, a lot of them, the uh, CH can have the guttural. So is it K-bar or key-bar? Uh, I'll have to double check. But um, the guttural can be like the ch. <laughs> if you ever saw Fiddler on the Roof, it's l'chayim. bar Which is spelled like C-H-I something or other. L'chayim. So you kind of get that guttural. That's fun to say. Uh, K bar is, yeah, it's long E. So it'd be, what'd you say, key bar? Key bar? Key bar, Okay, key bar. The key bar river, all right. And guys, if you don't like this, I'm using the lexicons that come with Logos. Mm -hmm. Not my fault. (laughs) And and, and I hear that it's actually, I mean, one of them calls it the river and then another one calls it a canal. Right. I... I don't so, know. Um, ultimately, though, I, I couldn't find anything special about it except for that it was like the region they were outside of Israel. Like, so <laughs> I got it where the Kebar River um, or the Kibar River um, or canal um, was really a canal uh, or probably a canal. Um, it was part of the irrigation system that brought water from the Tigris and Euphrates into the city, um, into the city region. Um, I found that in multiple commentaries. Um, yeah, the network of irrigation transport canals was known as the Waters of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so that ultimately would have been um, wh- where they would have been hanging out, So, at least in this passage. Yeah, and this is the exiles were hanging out. Yep. Yeah, because he was hanging out with the exiles right by the Kibar River. Um, and this is where, I guess, the heavens were opened up. So Israel has been... Uh, Separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were left in the homeland as a remnant, not a lot. Uh, some were transported off to Babylon, and some were scattered through different various towns in an effort to like assimilate. But that came before Babylonian, right? It was the Assyrians that tried to mix them up. Am I incorrect? So the Babylon, from my understanding, that? Nebuchadnezzar. So. They end so after all I those my after all Babylonian. those battles and things that we talked about yesterday uh, or yesterday two weeks ago two Whatever. weeks yeah. ago <laughs> um, they they brought over it was Nebuchadnezzar that brought them over into Babylon um, and then that was like in the first deportation and that's where you're gonna find Daniel Ezekiel mm-hmm. etc um, and then when they sieged or besieged the um, 
Jerusalem and it fell, they then brought everyone but the poorest over. Right. And then they were just in a siege and they were under really bad health. I mean, they just spent, I forget how many months, 18 months or something like that, uh, you know, um, under an attack. And the first time Nebuchadnezzar didn't destroy the city. And this time he's like, nah, you're done. Yeah. And that's when he brought it pretty much everyone else, but the, the poorest of the poor over. But ba- Babylon like to assimilate or eunuch the people, correct? I'm pretty sure. Later on, though, no, because it was the Persians that brought them back, wasn't it? It wasn't the Babylonians. <sighs> Darn it. I think the Babylon, Babylon wanted to... Dar- Darius was a Persian, right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, it was the Persians. Right. And then Babylon wasn't wanted to assimilate them. Okay. Right? Because that, all... that's what Nebuchadnezzar there... would have done in Daniel when he wanted them to... I need a, I need a timeline. Yeah. Because Daniel... Let's not go too deep. <laughs> Daniel and Ezekiel are... Con- Dar- Daniel, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah are all contemporaries. Right. Daniel and Ezekiel are... Exiles. Exiled. And Jerusalem, or um, Jeremiah, I don't know if he was ever exiled, but most of his ministry um, was actually in Jerusalem, As it, yeah, not that, exiled. The only real... Uh, I won't say that. Yeah. Let's not dig too deep until we have facts. Okay. But all I know is that there were people that were assimilated. There were some that were made to be eunuchs, and there were some that were destroyed. It just depends on which king was coming through at the time. And I cannot remember. The Assyrians were destroyers. The Babylonians and Persians were integrators. But I thought the Babylonians would castrate. That I don't know. I didn't get into any... Can't remember. Yep. Don't take my word on it, people. So um, just know that we could say key bar correctly because I actually looked at it. Right. <laughs> so we do know though that um, Ezekiel right now is with a bunch of exiles. Um, we know that um, most of them are, are in a, a rough situation. They're, they're out of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably um, trying to figure out what's going on. Their, their world probably seems like it's falling apart. Um, they know that Jerusalem is, is, or they're probably are finding out Jerusalem has finally um, fallen. Those exiles are coming, probably looking pretty bad and sick. Um, you probably got the Babylonians bragging about their gods, and they're wondering, hmm, where is Yahweh, and is he is he quite as powerful as them? Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel though is thirty years old. Uh, this would be about the time that a priest would actually be able to start fulfilling his priestful duties. <laughs> duties, um, his <laughs> priestful <laughs> jobs. Um, and so even Ezekiel's probably sitting here going, well, what's my occupation <laughs> now? Like I've been trained for 25 years to be a priest and I'm nowhere near Jerusalem. And he's from a line of priests. Right. So that's also like, it's not like he had another choice. Right. So he's like, I've got no other. But he knew God well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was trained his entire life because his daddy was a priest. Um, now, Chris Wright said that this was probably his 30th birthday. I didn't know where he got that from, and I don't know if it's later on in the book or, or anything. But he's like, yeah, That's so this would question. be his, his 30th birthday. Um, Happy birthday, Ezekiel. Right. So you're probably not... Well, and you're going to become a, a prophet, and he, uh, he he's not in the... Uh, we get into two, and they're like, yeah, well, I guess I don't want to spoil that, but... Um, <laughs> I don't see if I need verification on the birthday, but... So we do find that the date, um, July 31st, 593 B.C., 
um, is kind of what we're looking at um, that is kind of talked about here. And yeah, the word of the Lord came to him, which is kind of a standard expression for a prophetic gifting. And the hand of the Lord was on him there. So God is very, very present um, and in a situation, in a place where, where you might not, they're not necessarily, they're expecting God to still be very far away back in Jerusalem. They're far in Babylon. And we find out that the hand of the Lord was upon him there, which might have been a pretty shocking experience for, for them to, to, to kind of see that. Um, Chris Wright says it this way. He says, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is appearing, is speaking, is putting forth his mighty hand there in the land of exile, uncleanliness and despair. Ezekiel, with his fellow exiles, most probably believed that God was far away, or to be more precise, that they were far away from God's presence in the Jerusalem temple. The exiles felt despised and rejected by those who had been left behind in Jerusalem. Yet, even there, in remarkable similarity to Psalm 139, 7-12, the powerful presence of Yahweh and all His glory was about to be revealed. God is there in Babylon. I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> I like the way he, he said that. Um, he also had kind of a takeaway. He says many times in our own lives, um, he's like, we can probably feel very far away from God. Um, and sometimes we just need that reassurance um, of knowing that God is there and God is near. Um, and so we can not necessarily see those crazy visions we're about ready to see. But at the same time, just as they f felt God was far and he showed that he was near, um, we can kind of relate with Ezekiel's circumstance um, in that situation um, because they're kind of in, and I was kind of thinking through that. I was like, well, in a COVID world, that kind of makes sense. You know, you got a lot of people. What am I supposed to do now? Where am I going? I can't get, you know, like, and then just knowing that God is present in the situation can be comforting. Yeah, indeed. Um, on kind of the technical end of this, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people have wondered if Ezekiel is written by more than one person uh, mm -hmm. because he switches himself to third person yeah. in here. Uh, not necessarily the case. It would That would actually be the way many a prophet could start their letters. That Just because he says the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel doesn't mean that he's like, that the book is written by somebody else. Right. That third person is just a, I don't want to say like a Gosh, man, my brain is so broken today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's more like an introduction. It's not, it has nothing to do with like him talking to like Elmo or something. Like, Elmo mm -hmm. loves you. It's not that at all. It's like, I actually do a good Elmo impression. That was a bad one. Uh, okay. But we won't go into that. Broken brain. <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, the way it's put here is it's a prophetic technical formula to introduce divine reception of God's word. So, hmm. and he'll use that uh, formula many, many times. Okay. So, Okay. Yeah, I, I actually, most of what I saw in most commentaries is they say that Ezekiel is actually pretty straightforward when it comes to its timeline, its authorship, and even later on when they tried to, I guess you had other, I guess other scholars start to mm -hmm. challenge whether it was others, they still came back to Ezekiel as probably the only writer of the book. Right. That's just kind of what I saw in my studies. Yeah, I think we discussed that a little bit last time, but yeah, it's the unity of the book is actually one of the best of the prophets. Uh, they say that the 
personality of the author doesn't change, uh, which shows one, it's probably over a shorter period of time, uh, and two, it's one author. Where you have some prophets that might be prophesying over like 20, 30 years, Ezekiel is in that one short decade mm-hmm. where he doesn't have a lot of <clears throat> changes in his age and wisdom and so on. Yeah. So as long as it's not as confusing as Hosea's time oh, of the year. Oh, dear. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else before we go five through, I'm going to say maybe 14? Nope. Go for it. Um, but and that it, gets before the wheels, or do we want to. The wheels are before 18, aren't they? Uh, the wheels are 15. So oh, I okay, figured we'd yeah. go to 14. And yeah. then jump into the wheel. So let's get some of the. So if you're following along, we're about to get into the vision. So hang on. <laughs> Hold oh. tight. <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. All right. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings, thus their wings touched one another." Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the other on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an angel. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, one thing uh, we keep hearing, it was like a, it resembled a, mm-hmm. it had the appearance of, uh, we talked about this before in the intro as well, trying to describe the undescribable leads to these types of stupid brain uh, explanations, mm-hmm. uh, at least to these types of descriptions. It was like a, it was like a, it was, it reminded me of a, like I'm looking at my Zoom recorder here and if I, which is what we record the podcast on, if I was trying to tell you what it looked like, I would be like, well, it's like an old cell phone, like the Nokia phone with the plastic and the rubber and the green screen. And it has a red light, like a tail light of a car. Yeah. If you haven't seen one before, what's in your mind right now would be really odd. Now, imagine if I was trying to describe something that was indescribable and I was trying to put it in human terms. It becomes even worse, which is even more difficult. Which is kind of what we talked about last year or last (laughs) two weeks. Well, last week, yesterday, the other day, last year. (laughs) But but yeah, when we're talking about how... um, (laughs) You don't know there's a lot, sorry. uh, But anyway, (laughs) so it's one of those kind of like if you're trying to explain a computer to someone during the Roman Empire... Good luck with that, trying to explain electricity, plug it in, you know, information, like, like, how mm. is it that you explain that? And, 
And so he's utilizing potentially um, some of the Babylonian um, figures that were back then, but adding something much bigger and more powerful um, to that that description. Yeah, some of the, like, uh, they had four faces or four wings and so on and so forth. The, the soles were like the feet of a calf's foot and so on. Those really are talking uh, in the terms of what you would have seen in the art around you. So if you look mm-hmm. at some of the Babylonian pictures and uh, if you just do a Google search maybe for, like, uh, ancient Babylonian art, you'll see these these fantastic creatures. So he's kind of in one way trying to point and say, okay, you've seen this. It's something like that, but imagine it's glowing, it's radiant, it's, you know, it's it's like, so, yeah, I can't even describe well, his descriptions. So, so <laughs> it's like, like burnished bronze, it's like beautiful and shiny, you know. Well, like some of the things that they kind of describe, so like the face of a lion, so a lion would would represent strength and majesty. Mm. So like when when they're utilizing some of these animals, um, I think he said like the the face of an ox. Um, the oh, I, I know I can't. I'm not going to pronounce it right. The pro, the procreative the procreative procreative power of the bull. Uh, I'm assuming that they procreate procre, procreative. <laughs> how do you say that? Um, I think you said it right. Yeah. The swiftness and mobility of an eagle, the wisdom and reason of of a human. So part of these are describing characteristics of God by, by describing these, these cherubim, these, these, these angels. Um, Oh, so you're going to go with the, the potentially describing the, the cherub then, are you? Well, from my understanding in, in chapter 10, they potentially identify them as the cherubim. Yeah. Um, Okay. But you seem to have something different. Uh, the issue is, is with the cherub, it's a masculine term. Okay. And some of the descriptions here are feminine. Okay. So that's where they're not sure. Okay. But, I know you know, he, if Christopher Wright says it, I would, I'd listen to him. Because he mentioned cherubim and he's like, usually when you see cherubim, like it's one of those that... You you get this picture of divinity, um, and they are usually kind of um, supporting a king or a, a temple or, a, or a, mm-hmm. a throne. And with us going into the throne later on in chapter one, um, that that seems to be the direction that he's kind of leaning with that. Now, to be fair, that like gender confusion is not unusual in the Hebrew when you're describing beings. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it is interesting that. There is an argument out there that it says, hey, these, you know, uh, are these masculine or feminine terms and what are they? Uh, I do remember growing up uh, in a rather conservative church for a while, like super conservative. Uh, It was kind of a nightmare, honestly. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, they were basically would use uh, the masculine form to say all angels are men. And I think if you honestly look at it, all angels are beings. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can d- ascribe a gender to a creation that you really know nothing about just because it uses a Hebrew masculine. Right. Um, but the opposite here, he's basically saying the living creature here, the term in five, is feminine. So that term for living, living creature is the Hebrew feminine. It's, it's haya or haya. Um, so it's just interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a mix. So is it is he describing the cherubs or cherubs, whatever you want to call them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is he describing something different? We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
and it's it's one of the so so from the perspective that that, that Christopher Wright took is he he took this as it creating this picture of deity, um, this this picture of, of of God of his power of his um, of his amazingness um, and wisdom and swiftness and and all of these yeah. things. So he's he's painting a, a portrayal and a picture behind that, and 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 that's partially I, I think where where he goes. And if you're I guess a, a cherubim or a cherubim or whatever would be the presence of them means that that ultimately by them being present it is also indicating the presence of deity yeah and yeah. so it's creating that picture of a god of a king of someone powerful that sort of thing so so have fun pondering the being mm-hmm. but don't lose your mind over pondering the being right right it's not as important as you uh think to think well, I need to know what it looks like. I need to know what it's describing. I need to know if this is an angel or something or whatever this big giant being of glorious appearance is. You don't. You just need to understand this is a heavenly heavenly being that is magnificent mm-hmm. <laughs> more than you need to understand if it's a boy or a girl yep. or whatever or and, what it looks like. And and, and I'll, I'll let you know my takeaway before we, we shut down today because I was incredibly excited when I studied Ezekiel 1. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I did not understand all of the symbolism or I don't know exactly what it looked like, but I did think through the characteristics of God that are trying to be portrayed um, through these images or through this picture that is being communicated from Ezekiel. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) No wonder the dude didn't move for seven days. Like, spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I mean, so this is partially an opportunity for us to begin to understand God's amazingness. And when God is reve- revealing himself to Ezekiel, he's not holding back in this vision. And so, you know, and, and at the end of three, when he says, the land of the. Um, the hand of the Lord was upon him there. God is very much showing that, that he is there. And some of it is, okay, whoo, this is God being awesome. However, um, the fire coming from this storm, that's not usually normal of a storm, and usually portrays some judgment. So although we're seeing God's amazingness, his glory, and his sovereignty, we see the presence of God being there. At the same time, there's more to come than just that, mm. and and that that gets more addressed in, in chapter two than than chapter one. Um, you got an applause for that? Oh yeah, yeah. One of his, <laughs> ki- one of his kids upstairs, we think, applauded. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they were applauding to that. They're probably watching. I don't know some Whatever. show <laughs> during podcast night. They watch home improvement shows because I hate home improvement, and yep. Yeah. And then later on, they're like, "Let's do this," and I was like. Only if you can pay them. <laughs> so, so it was about a year ago. Sidebar, I was uh, for Christmas. Joe wanted our bedroom like mm-hmm. painted and like new comforter, new curtains. You know, just like redo the bedroom or whatever. And I was like, all right, I can do that. So I picked some stuff out, and I was like, hey, I got. It. I'm going to order. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pick the stuff out because you're no Joanna Gaines. And I like anytime like we make a decision about like paint colors, and I was like, I don't know. I'm not Joanna. 
See that that's like, good. I'm like, oh, that's how this, I'm not Joanna, so whatever. So you got to use that against her. That was the. I good. do. I, do. I okay. every every chance I get. Okay, especially when it comes to home improvement. I'm like, I picked this up, but you know, I'm no Joanna game. <laughs> Guess I'm a little more chip. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he does all the work. Yeah, I know. Okay, that's how it. So Wait, if we ever have an argument. <laughs> If we ever have an argument about home improvement, I'm like, that's because you're not the one who's got to do it. <laughs> really, my wife does it. She's like, oh, I got a great idea. I was like, oh, are you going to do it? She's like, yep. I was like, oh, this is a great relationship. See, no, for me, it's more my wife's got, I got an idea. You're going to do it. That's where it was <laughs> earlier in our marriage. Now we're to the point. I'm like, have I not screwed up enough projects for you? Like, but it, I... Digress. Yep. I'm no Joanna Gaines. So anyway, <laughs> you are definitely no Joanna Gaines. Nope. Um, so I'm glad you know who she is, and I'm not alone. Sadly, I do. <laughs> um, and the living creatures darted to and fro, um, like the appearance of flashing lightning. So he mentioned that they didn't stay still, and I was like, well, okay. Um, and so be busy. So basically, he said that these are kind of a contrast with the ancient Near Eastern religious art that he might be, that they might be used to. That hmm. he's saying that the the cherubim and their equivalent stood still, um, either supporting the throne of, of of a god or standing like um, a century, like a garden temple. But Ezekiel's living creatures are flashing back and forth like the fire and lightning. They are mingled with. They're moving, yet not turning, by some mysterious dynamic of the Spirit, according to, to what he said in, in verse 12. Um, wherever the Spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. Mm-hmm. So he said it, it contrasted the normal standing still of the images that these other people might be used to. Um, it's very different. And I was like, okay. I got nothing on the movement. Okay. <laughs> No, yeah, it is. Uh, I know. See, I've heard the crazies that talk about like, oh, it's probably UFOs. It's like, hold your horses. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I hate when people do that. Like, I I remember growing up with like, oh, the locusts from the pit were probably Black Hawk helicopters. Yeah. Like, no, that's not what apocalyptic yeah. literature is about. And, yeah, and I, I don't think he's trying to portray things that you can physically see. And he's very right. much caught up in a vision. Like it's not like he's chilling steer at the K bar, still at the K bar canal with the other exiles. And they're all being like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, so they're not We're all tripping and seeing. Right. This, <laughs> um, this is an exclusive vision for, for Ezekiel. Um, and it is definitely God preparing him for something. And what we're going to find out a little bit more about what that something is come in two weeks. You're right. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we will, but they won't. Right. So, um, so the wheels, chapter f- or one, fifteen through twenty-one. Yeah, sounds good. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel, burrow, burrow, barrel, barrel, and the <laughs> it was like the gleaming barrel, of barrel. barrel. <laughs> and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. 
When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, stood though these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I tried to wrap my head around that, and I felt like it was like one of those, con, you know, like those constructs type toy things where, like, you know, you're putting all the different things together. I was like, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't have an engineer brain. Um, I kind of have an image of like a gyro, maybe. Okay. Like a gyroscope. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. That's like the most I could think of, but I think it's otherworldly. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I. I mean, it also has a room full of eyeballs, so, you know, mm. whatever. <laughs> well, well my, my comment in my notes was, um, yep. I had some sweet rims. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess what, what Christopher Wright said about these um, is it's not necessarily about the wheels. He said it was more about the total and unrestricted freedom of movement. Um, that seems to be the primary function of these wheels. Um, the wheels then provide the answer to how the living creatures were able to move as they did. It is not the wheels themselves that do the me- moving, for they in turn are empowered or driven by the spirit, and that the spirit is further described as the spirit of life in 20 and 21. And so that's kind of what his description was of these these wheels. And I was like, okay, that that definitely makes more sense than... Um, is that your phone? I don't know what that is. Oh, I do know what that is. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry, there's an alarm going off upstairs. I was like, what is that? And that means the girls better be getting ready for bed. Uh, um, so I it's on, I, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so it's on like a phone alarm. Cause that's, yeah. So anyway, so unrestricted, um, freedom is kind of what these, these wheels were focused on. Um, and do you have anything else? Um, the, uh, not a whole lot. The, uh, multiple eyes thing is mm-hmm. repeated. Revelation four, six, mm-hmm. uh, talks about another being covered in eyeballs. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, um, the other part is the, uh, word here for spirit is Ruah, which is breath of, um, which would, uh, typically be something like the breath of God, which would come from a command or from a messianic king. And so it's not like just our breathing. It's more of a divine breath, uh, which lends us to not the earliest appearance of, but another early appearance of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, which helps mm-hmm. confirm uh, the the Trinity existed before the Holy Spirit came on, a, on Pentecost. Okay. Uh, so for people that are always like, well, the Holy Spirit was a New Testament design or invention or creation. Uh, we once again hear all the way in Ezekiel, which you first see it, the Spirit was hovering over the waters, you know, mm-hmm. Genesis. But you do get mention of it throughout the Old Testament. And here's where you start to see one of those early mentions. That's the takeaway. All right. So now we're getting to the throne. So chapter 1, 22 through 28. Which should bring us to 
Yep, that's the end of the chapter. All right. Yeah. Um, Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they led down, let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of a waste, I saw it, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain so was the appearance of the brightness all around such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord and when I saw it I fell on my face and heard and I heard the voice of one speaking Okay. All right. So, yeah, we're looking at um, more uh, imagery. Uh, the different crystals and rocks and stuff like here sometimes get uh, translated into things like, uh, I think the NIV uses sapphire for part of it, um, and just different types of crystal and all that, but it seems it's still kind of inconclusive, so... Um, when it's like the awe-inspiring crystal. Some translations take a liberty to take a swing at what kind of stone it is. Uh, others don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, like if you see like in Revelation and some of those, they're using the right. best, most beautiful material when you're, we're talking about um, the heavens being paved with gold, etc. And so sometimes it is, uh, I don't know, in Revelation I know they, they use a lot of um, imagery that, that we would go, oh, wow, okay. We would know that it is valuable. We know that it's value, you know, good material. And I don't know if it's similar in this situation as well, but that would almost be my guess. Yeah, the likeness here, like Revelation 4, 6, and therefore the throne, wait, and before the throne, there was, wow, I cannot... That would be my daughter bringing down a cat. Oh, is that what that was? (laughs) I was like, and before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal um, is the same they're doing. Once again, we don't have an actual identification Mm -hmm. of what that precious, does the crystal mean the color? Does the crystal mean clarity? Does the crystal mean smoothness? Does it mean shiny? Does it mean refraction? Like, what does it mean? We don't know. Right. So just know that it's amazing. That's what we know. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Um, and he comes to the, the point where um, he kind of comes down to, he puts the whole entire scene together, um, where what does it all mean? Well, ultimately, all of it is supposed to be kind of a manifestation of the glory of Yahweh. Um, he did get into the word kabod, being glory. Um, and so he, he talked ultimately where essentially, um, when we're talking about, I guess it's the kabod or the glory, 
Um, you're talking about the weight and the substance of, of, of God. Um, so you're ultimately talking about the majestic reality, the overwhelming power of his presence, the weight of his eternal being. So all of these things are supposed to kind of culminate together um, right here at the throne room scene as we realize that we are ultimately looking at God's amazing greatness, his deity, his power, his glory, all of these things brought together onto one throne room scene where you ultimately see Yahweh revealed on his throne. Well, when he used, even uses the word, you're talking about the weight and stuff like that. The word he uses for almighty is sede. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe it comes from the Akkadian uh, for mountain, which was sedu. Oh, wow. So it's saying like the, the almighty, I mean, you're, you've, there's weight in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the mountainous like power. I, if you've never seen a mountain, like you might not understand, but like when you see that, I'm not talking about these, like we live near the smoky mountains, you know, mm. they're kind of cool. They're like big Those giant grassy hills, mountain, you yeah. know, like if you go out <clears throat> into, and if you're in like Europe, you can make fun of me, but if you're out yeah. like the, the Rocky mountains or something like that, there's something about the sheer massiveness. Like if, you, if you're hiking through the smoky mountains, you know, you can get to the top of one and probably back down one in a day. You can't do that in the Rocky Mountains, you know, nope. like the sheer massiveness. Now, the Rocky Mountains are a small mountain range in the United States. <laughs> I mean, when you get to like European mountain ranges, especially like around India uh, um, and in the Near East and stuff like that, you get some massive, crazy structures. So to say that the Almighty God is like this crazy, gigantic mountain uh, is more breathtaking than you could imagine. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to see, think if I had anything. Um, He just continues to go on, um, talks about it's a very dynamic scene, um, the presence, the sovereignty of God, um, his righteous, like through this, we see his righteousness, his kingship, um, who he is. yeah, we just see the greatness of God through his His glory um, through this entire scene. And ultimately, um, the it ends with, I fell on my face and I heard mm-hmm. the voice of one speaking. Like, you see a picture of that and, and you fall on your face. And we I won't tell you when he gets up. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, um, Ezekiel was very overwhelmed. Yeah, the... Um, uh, my commentator puts it this way. The manifestation of the Lord's glory formed a backdrop for the judgment Ezekiel is about to announce. I mean, it's it's basically establishing the credentials of who's about to announce the judgment. Uh-huh. It's a huge, huge ordeal. It's not just like some guy who's getting up with no authority, like, ah, I'm going to make all the charismatics mad. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the people here nowadays, they have no weight. They have no authority because they're not speaking on behalf of God, who is the ultimate weight and authority. Mm-hmm. They're they're just speaking out of a they just have the microphone. Yeah. And it's not it doesn't mean a thing. They don't have the what what Ezekiel is seeing here, they don't have like the first hand experience of what it's like to be actually before God and the throne of God. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. So I was <laughs> I was sitting around um a campfire a couple weeks ago, right after I had just studied this. And um you know, the the pastor the pastor was there and, and he asked, he's like, so what are you all thankful for? And this was a little bit before Thanksgiving. 
And, you know, everyone is, is going around talking about how they're thankful for different things. And, you know, you had one person that he's like, I'm thankful for the Bible. And you're like, okay, that's cool. You know, good Christian answer. <laughs> I was um, going to say, Sunday school answer. <laughs> and then I realized that, that the only answer that I had was, well, I'm, I'm grateful for a God uh, that that's like he that, that's like that I see in Ezekiel, and I I, I actually didn't say anything because I was like, well, that's the good Christian answer, but I, I knew at the moment as I was saying it that I legitimately believed it, but I didn't know how I believed it, hmm. and so it took me a couple of days to really wrap my head around what was being talked about in Ezekiel one, and his glory and his power and. Why would I be grateful for that? And, and, you know, how would I not say that around a campfire full of some Christians that doesn't sound like I'm just giving the Christian answer if I really believe it? I'm thankful for the weight and the glory right. of it. <laughs> and, and it's weird because I, I really genuinely believed it and, I, and I, didn't under, I didn't know how to vocalize it. So I really just sat silence. So I'm assuming the pastor probably thought I was like unholy. Well, he's not grateful for anything. <laughs> but as I, as I got thinking... I realized eventually why I thought that was like why why I was so thankful and grateful for that picture that I see here in Ezekiel and for God's greatness and His sovereignty, and I went back to the Lord's Prayer where our Father, um, who is in the heavens. I was wondering when you were going to get to this. Yeah, I was, and so I realized as I was sitting there going, "Okay, well, Jesus." gives us permission, I mean, some people say a command, I don't know, that says we're supposed to address God as Abba, our Father. And in that same line, who is in the heavens, we, we see that intimate relationship that God desires to have with us, that intimate relationship that, that Jesus gives us permission to address Yahweh as Father. And in that same line, who is in the heavens, we realize he's not just that intimate, ugly daddy. Ugly? It's an ugly word? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but write that dictionary, bro. <laughs> <laughs> who is in the heavens. He is huge, powerful, and creator. And so when I think that Jesus gives me permission to, to call Yahweh, Abba, Father, and yet at the same time who is in the heavens, and I get this picture of Ezekiel 1 and God's sovereignty, his, I mean, everything we just talked about right here, his power, his wisdom, his glory, his, and you, I, I, I'm, the I'm, entourage that comes before him. Yeah, I'm <laughs> thinking that the same God that tells me to call him Father, this same person, want I, he's he's powerful he's sovereign i i have permission to call him abba father and i just realized that i am incredibly grateful for a god that gives me permission to call him abba father and be able to to come before him and speak and make requests and a daddy or a father who is powerful enough to be able to do something about it and to genuinely care that's what I was grateful for. And so Ezekiel 1 just kind of gave me a, a newfound love for just that first line of the Lord's Prayer when I realized the two very different... Um, well, continue the second line of that prayer. Brothers in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, holy. Uh, I mean, 
Howard yeah. is even more than that, right. if you could oh, say that. True, I mean, it yeah. really is like... And so when you're praying through the Lord's Prayer, our Father, that personal relationship, that dynamic, is something that should be on your mind. You're so right there. Like, mm-hmm. um, who are in heaven. Well, now we're talking about your dwelling place. Hallowed be your name. I mean, all that leads into the Father in heaven whose name is beyond anything that's here on earth. Mm-hmm. Like those do lead into each other. That does expound on what Ezekiel is seeing here, and that does, that makes me kind of wonder, uh, from the standpoint of uh, you're seeing a Babylonian army march through and a king being presented, and he might have some horses and chariots in front of him, or maybe some soldiers. But like when we're seeing what's going on here with Ezekiel in uh, God coming, we're seeing indescribable beings full of glory leading into something that's even more indescribable and even more full of glory that could easily wipe out a small platoon of chariots. Well, even when you said, yeah, the next line, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, like yeah. it's kind of the picture we see here. Like dude is on his, on his, what I fell on my he's face. Prostrate. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, hallowed be your name. I mean, what, what's going through his mind? I, I can't even fathom being able to like, I'm just trying to like, in my mind wrap of my head around it, but when he's in this experiential vision, um, wow. And then your kingdom come. Well, I mean, really that's kind of what, what we see is we see his very throne and kingdom being revealed to Ezekiel in this moment right here in chapter one. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's what that's what got me so excited about Ezekiel one. I was like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I can't get to you. And and really, like as I go through Ezekiel, like I'm not studied through the entire thing yet. But the more I get through it, like this is I love this book. It's so uh, much fun. Yeah. Um you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll really enjoy it, I think. And and I think it's very applicable. I think it it still is very applicable to our world today and to the different roles. I don't know. Well, so we look at and we've only got a a little bit of time left here, like two minutes, maybe. Um, people say, well, what is God like? What's God like to you? What's God like? That question is often asked, even by well-meaning Christians and Sunday school teachers and so on and so forth. But what is God like to you? Well, he's my father, but he's also this. Like, we we need to have a correct picture of who God is. Mm-hmm. And that's like something that I fear many of us have lost or have never experienced. Like we often think that like we, we, we take him down and we say, oh, well, Jesus was this man, hypostatic union. So he probably, and then we start asking goofball questions. If Jesus was around today, what would he do for a living? That's just such a belittling nature. It's like, look at the actual majesty of what's before us mm-hmm. um, and understand that we get to have that relationship with that because of what Christ has done. It's like, more than we can probably unpack right now. Well, but hopefully and, we can in this book. <laughs> but 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 I think that that's powerful because like again, people New Testament Christians get stuck on I'm his friend. I'm his friend. I am a friend I'm his of child. God. <laughs> and it's like, but there's still that reverent fear that yeah. needs to be existing in our relationship with God because he is yes he gives us permission to address him as father, but. 
who is in the heavens, hallowed, holy, holy be your name. Like your kingdom come. Like people don't always realize when they say the Lord's prayer, how powerful of a prayer that is. Mm -hmm. And that's just the first couple of lines. Um, <laughs> you get into some of it and it's like, do you really know what you're... <laughs> um, but it, it's really, we do, we've lost that reverent fear in our, our modern day. I've got to be really nice here. <laughs> I almost wasn't so... Um, I would just say if you are flippant with the Abba Father part, you should really, really study what Abba means because it is a fatherly term, but it's not a childish gibberish, if that makes sense. And there was respect that came with yeah. that, um, with that Abba. And it, there was that intimate relationship yeah. that existed oh, yeah, 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 there. Yeah, it was definitely intimate, but it but was not... But at the not, same time, right. Um, it wasn't the way sometimes we use it now. It wasn't a spoiled little brat daddy. Mm -hmm. It was a respectful father. I love you. I know you take care of me and I devote my lineage to you. Right. Dad. <laughs> and you've mentioned like in, in our conversations, how you struggle with that word daddy because how our culture interprets that daddy can be in multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's making sure that you are interpreting that Abba father intimate relationship with that respectful nature and not yeah. the, what you said, the disrespectful, the spoiled, spoiled, or, the, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. or the, whatever you want to call it, the sarcastic even or right, right. whatever. And sadly, in some cases it's like a, a sexual connotation. Like there's a lot of ways that daddy has been warped and destroyed that has nothing to do with the Abba father that our spirit is groaning out and crying for. Right, right. There's such a, it's, that's such a beautiful way to use the term. And we've turned into, but daddy, I want this. You know, we've turned into the Veruca Salt, Willy mm -hmm. Wonka. I want the Golden Goose Daddy, yeah. you know, kind of version of the word or the childish gibberish, like, you know, that it's a personal pet peeve and I just really have to watch my tongue because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who all listens to this podcast that I might know personally. <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. But yeah. Well, with that, we are leaving Ezekiel on his, um, uh, on his on face, his face <laughs> and we will start chapter two next week. All right. Two guys. weeks. Yeah. We're, you know, over an hour. So thanks for listening to our extended podcast today. Yes. All right, guys. Till next time. Bye.